Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. And you may have heard by now that we are doing daily episodes. Daily, from now until Election Day. But it's the weekend, and even we got to take a break sometime. So here's an episode from our archives. We first ran this one back in July, just after the 4th. It is all about politics and musicals. Enjoy. It's a fun one. Okay, we'll be back in your feed with a new episode on Monday evening. Everybody, meet me on our me, 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 Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast. So here we are coming off a long holiday weekend. I was just on vacation for a week until recently. We need to ease back into things with something a little bit lighter. How does a bastard... Louder, louder. No. Danielle's going to sing with it. <laughs> Anyways, musicals. You're doing good. You're doing good. All right, keep going. You're almost So we're going to talk today about musicals and politics, which means that we, of course, have to mention that show, whatever it's called, Harrison. Alexander Hamilton. I have Hamilton, I think. Anyways, let's uh, say hi. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Ron Elving, editor correspondent. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, digital political reporter. And I'm Bob Mandela. I'm the movie critic for All Things Considered. And probably the resident expert in this building on musicals. Um, I, I am a big fan. I'm, I think that everything in the world can be explained through musical comedy. Wow. And I'm, I'm convinced about that. I've done pieces about economics, about, the, about all kinds of things. And politics is something that musicals get into a lot more than you'd think. Yes. And it's kind of exciting to be talking about it with you guys who actually know something about politics. Um, I, I talk about this mostly with people who know a lot about musicals. So, Ron, you also like musicals, too. And you've been talking to Bob about this. And the idea for this episode came from you guys, right? We had a conversation. We started talking about not just musicals such as Evita, but we started talking about the possibility that Hamilton would actually have a performance or at least a number or two at the Democratic National Convention this year. Huh. And we were also recalling, as I have a tendency to do at a past convention 20 years ago, uh, the cast of Rent was flown in one night. The cast of Rent has taken their one night off and flown here on their own. They've come from the great white way. And uh, got up on stage and uh, sang Seasons of Love to close that night at the Democratic National Convention. 92? 96. 96. Their song asks a question. How do you measure the moments of a year, even a political year? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the cast. You measure it in love. Only one way. You just spoiled it for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's a pretty political thing right there, because that... That musical was all about the AIDS crisis and some other heavy stuff, right? right. And it was very youth appealing. It was very strong youth appealing. And, and clearly the uh, big emphasis of the Clinton re-election campaign that year was to say Bill Clinton is going to build a bridge to the 21st century and Bob Dole is 96. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty uncontroversial song from, from the It's yes. about love. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get any sweeter than that. 600 minutes... Anyway, so this campaign cycle, there are reports that Democrats are trying to get the cast of Hamilton to perform at their convention. And Hillary Clinton just sent out a big email to fundraise, inviting her supporters to enter to win a chance to see Hamilton with her. Has this happened before? 
you know, politicians often go to Broadway and get covered when they do. And the president has seen Hamilton a couple of times, I think, or the, the first family has. Um, I don't know that anybody has uh, has won a raffle to to attend it <laughs> with a president before. That's that's probably pretty new, uh, or a presidential candidate. But yeah, politicians have been going to Broadway for as long as there's been a Broadway. I yeah. mean, you know, and for a long time, lots of musicals influenced politicians in the way they chose their campaign songs and things like that. I mean, the most famous one, really, I think, is probably uh, that Irving Berlin actually wrote a campaign song for Ike. Really? Into the musical Call Me Madam. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. Oh, give it a moment. Who they'll send to Washington. They like Ike. What? And Ike is good on a mic. <laughs> Songwriting, y'all. <laughs> now, Irving, Irving Berlin was pretty famous for writing this kind of thing. And what he did was I, immediately thereafter, Ike, you know, two years later, he ran for president. And Eisenhower used I Like Ike as his theme song. And wow. it became a, a, a thing. Jump it on one So, go ahead. You, you have a whole bunch of other political uh, ties into this musical as well. I was uh, reading up on it. I've never seen Call Me Madam. Nor have uh, I. Except for the Ethel Merman clips I was watching before right. this podcast. But, I mean, Irving Berlin also wrote God Bless America. He wow. wrote um, a World War II musical that Ronald Reagan ended up being in. Yep. But also, this story is inspired by, uh, is apparently inspired by a true story, Call Me Madam is. And it, it features... By Pearl Mesta. Right, the, yeah. Pearl Mesta, the hostess with the mostess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she was she was a, a socialite who was also a, a, a very famous hostess, and she, she had these huge parties that were used diplomatically and, and became an ambassador. And, uh, right, well, and part of the plot <laughs> focuses on American foreign aid, which is, you know, the, <laughs> okay. it, it features the first, so, first musical song I've ever heard that f- focuses on foreign aid, which is sort of fascinating. So. First and last, probably. May, <laughs> may, well, but it wasn't, as if, it wasn't as if this hadn't happened before. I mean, you know, they, uh, Harry Truman got his uh, campaign song, uh, I'm Just Wild About Harry, from Shuffle Along. Yes, I'm just wild about Harry. Oh, I like this one. Harry's wild about me. The heavenly blisses of his kisses. Now I don't Ronnie think people, <laughs> I don't think people were actually thinking of Harry Truman when the heavenly blisses blisses of his kisses came along. But uh, but the but the song itself, I'm just wild about Harry, became his theme song. And prior to that, uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt had picked up a song from the movie musical uh, Chasing Rainbows. Wow. Um, that one had ended with the song. Uh, um, happy, happy days. Uh, are see, here. Ronnie can do it. Sing it, Ron. The skies above are clear again. Were you giving the stage hands right there? I like that. So, okay, my question is this: There are all of these examples previously of mm-hmm. songs from musicals ending up in campaigns for president. Now it seems like campaigns are picking songs from like top forty. You, like you think of, like, right. I think the U two song "City of Blinding Lights" was big for Obama. Don't Bill stop Clinton, for, like "Don't Stop yeah. uh, Thinking About Think About Tomorrow." tomorrow. It, was, it was a Fleetwood Mac song. What explains that switch? Well, in in the nineteen thirties and forties and fifties, um, Broadway was the hit parade, right? I mean, when a show like Camelot opened, Camelot became the number one uh, best selling album for sixty seven weeks in a row. 
Wow. Um, and, you know, this was the, the only album on which Richard Burton ever, ever. quote, <laughs> sang. That's true. <laughs> a lot of our listeners don't know what Camelot was. So Sorry, Ar- Camelot is the King Arthur legend. Oh. Um, and it is basically, uh, it, in short, there's, there's simply not a more enchanting spot than Camelot. And Here in Camelot. And, 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 you know, I mean, the thing, too, was that it became a political thing well, because, because the Kennedys were the in Camelot. Kennedys came to, I don't know who began it, but it just was such a natural fit. It was such a natural metaphor that this idealized notion of power, you know, many, many centuries ago, this, this legend of perfect harmony, uh, then upset, of course, by romantic love, uh, that just fit perfectly with the whole Kennedy legend. And well, when he became president, this was the big musical that had been on Broadway at that time. Well, it, it actually opened at about the moment of, of his election. And so it, this was a, a major hit. The Kennedys uh, later said that they played the album at bedtime oh. to put them to sleep and things. And it's, it's a lovely little show. The crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect. That's Richard Burton singing. That is Richard Burton. (laughs) He's got a good voice. Well, he had a great voice. Maybe not for singing. So why is it weird to hear him singing? Because he was not a singer. He he was a spoken word actor, of course, a Shakespearean actor who then became famous as a movie actor who then became famous as Elizabeth Taylor's husband. Right. Well, and in fairness, the Lerner and Lowe, who wrote this show, had also written My Fair Lady, which is famous for... I love My Fair Lady. Right, and that had Rex Harrison talk singing everything, so... You know, they had the good sense to have Julie Andrews on hand whenever possible, so that, so that there was a good voice in the cast too. So these were the original rap musicals, <laughs> right? Of course. Speaking of, so like, what are the parallels between these shows and the show of the moment, Hamilton? Hamilton seems like it's unlike anything else that's happened before. And Danielle, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it different than any other things that you've seen before? Yes and no. I mean, I they, they've actually pointed this out on a Pop Culture Happy Hour uh, episode of Hamilton, and it's true that Hamilton, despite all of its being, you know, it's hyped up as this big hip-hop thing, there's still a fair amount of Broadway-ness okay. to it. There yeah. are big chords and there are people, you know, standing hands down, you know, looking up <laughs> and, you know, belting. Like, yeah. that does happen in Hamilton, so there's that. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think that, this is a, a play about the founding fathers that is so relatable when you compare it to today's politics. Huh. There is a sex scandal. There are guys trying to take each other down in the press. There's, you know, backroom dealings, you know, the room where it happens. There's yeah. the endorsement primary. There's like, you know, oh. dear Mr. Hamilton, who are you going to be, who are you promoting? Like all of this stuff happens in Hamilton and it's very easy to watch it and go, oh, this happens now. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they also, it seems like, purposefully made the cast very, very, very diverse, which kind of speaks to this age of Obama. Right. right in a way, well, yeah, certainly and does. If you if you look back to 1776, I, I, excuse me, to the musical 1776. <laughs> well, right the year too. <laughs> I think it, I see where you're going here. It's probably the same it, for both. This is it, usually it, my role. <laughs> I am so old. So if you look back at the musical of 1776, which opened, I'm not actually sure when it opened. It was about 1972, I think. Um, It was before the centennial, by centennial. Right. Um, But when 1776 opened, it was regarded as this kind of thing in a way, although it wasn't a a game changer in terms of Broadway. It was a different sort of Broadway show that was really about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So these things, you know, politics is something that shows up in musicals a lot. Well, also we're talking about the degree to which in presidential cycles, and let's set Mm -hmm. that aside, just the quadrennial presidential cycle, there seems to be one of these, is it life imitating art or art imitating life things? Because take, for example, the Book of Mormon. Hello. 
My name is Elder Price, and I would like to share uh, with you about five years ago. Book. This was the biggest thing on Broadway, and you couldn't get a ticket to that, just like you couldn't get a ticket once to the producers, or you couldn't get a ticket now for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this just was a huge hit on Broadway, and everybody was like singing the songs and carrying on about it. And it just happened to be at the time that Mitt Romney became the first Mormon nominated for president by a major American political party. Yeah. I love this show so much. Yep. Oh my God, it's so good. Hello, would you like to change religions? I have a free book written by Jesus. <laughs> my favorite line. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Oh, I was thinking about the same kind of idea. Um, I am obsessed with the movie soundtrack to the film adaptation of Dreamgirls, which happened right around the time that Obama was running for president. And there are some parallels between those two things too, because in a way, Dreamgirls is all about blackness and crossover mm -hmm. and, and respectability. And in lots of ways, Obama's first race president was about all of those things. Um, because I mentioned Dreamgirls, now we're forced to hear a bit of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it has to be the best this. song. Yeah. Or, it, it has to be Jennifer. But I actually thought you were going to go to Cadillac Car. Oh yeah. Because if you will, I mean, the, the way that gets stolen and then you know, pablumized and Pat Booneized and yeah. sanitized. You know, that's what Obama was resisting. He was resisting to some degree having the dream girls process done to him. Yeah. I really like this analysis. This is interesting and it never occurred to me. Well, I, yeah, I mean, because like all of dream girls is actually about how black can you be and still cross over. Right. And that was the question that Obama had to ask himself and ask the nation Absolutely. in 2008. Absolutely. He won. Dreamgirls mm -hmm. did not win for Best Picture, <laughs> as it shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. But um, So it was a wash. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> but, like, we see all of these moments where the art and the life are buttoned up against each other. When the politics happens in musicals, are the musicals treating politics as a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, I don't. I don't know if that's quite the right question. I mean, yeah. I think it's politics is sort of a natural subject for a musical or for uh, any sort of stage play or movie mm -hmm. or whatever, because politics is conflict and conflict drives a story. I mean, yeah. conflict is a natural part of politics. It's what makes Evita interesting. It's what makes Angels in America makes all sorts of things interesting there. It's what makes Hamilton interesting. One party fighting against another. It just works. Yeah. But when you talk about the musical, it also speaks to a kind of, of idealism that is frequently, and, and Bob, I'll turn to you on this, frequently a part of the musical ethos is this super idealism or super uh, romanticized notion of how good things could be. Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a lovely song from a, a British musical called Pickwick um, called If I Ruled the World. And it was sung by Harry Seacombe, uh, an operatic tenor. Hmm. Um, and it's just the most lovely song. And he's running for office in, in this silly Dickensian musical. But it's, it, he's, he doesn't have any platform. And he just says, well, if I ruled the world. Every man would be as free as a bird. It's just a... Oh, a, I know that song. It's a, yeah, yes. it's a really, it's really it's a beautiful lovely. song. I mean, what I was thinking about, what Broadway has to offer to politicians is notions of staging and of stardom. And I think what frequently happens is that a Broadway star will endorse someone or be associated with a political candidate. I mean, I, I remember Carol Channing, who was a buddy of LBJ's, 
she had just opened this little musical called Hello, Dolly, and just about the time when he was about to run for president, and so she, somebody wrote some new lyrics for it, and it became Hello, Lyndon. And she sang that at the uh, Democratic convention, and that just wowed everybody. Plus, the notion of Hello, Dolly being this introduction of a character in that musical um, as some kind of a star. And that's, that's kind of what every politician wants at his convention, wants to be the star, wants to come down the staircase, wants to, you know, whatever. And, and so that kind of just works. Yeah. Takes us back to the Evita reference, too, doesn't it? Because there's already been one Hillary Clinton rally this year where an enormous poster came down with Hillary Clinton as Evita was that on with the hair. Did she, did she want that? Well, the campaign immediately denied. Because Evita isn't the most savory character. No, right? of course not. And, she looks and, a bit like her in the. I mean, you, you can look at the banner and say, "Oh, that kind of is reminiscent." Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she's a Madonna character in the movie. It's mm-hmm. 1996 movie is is Madonna. Meaning pop star Madonna, not pop star, the not Madonna meaning the right. Madonna. There was no child. And, uh, uh, but, but here we have this figure of this woman who is uh, Juan Perón, dictator in Argentina, uh, his second wife, and a controversial figure in every respect, singing these wonderful songs. Don't cry for me, Argentina. And having this sort of romantic appeal. It is obviously not an image that the Hillary Clinton campaign wants to embrace, but because Vita was a dictator. Right. Well, it, it well, just, and also it, she was a she was she was his wife, and she, she was known as his wife. She was and a Hillary bit of a is mall. trying to be a bit of an is trying to be independent of right, her. Exactly. There's also that. Um, but Evita has also popped up on the campaign trail along with more Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, because uh, there is a great article by Darlind at Vox uh, where she talks about. Uh, Donald Trump's connection to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Donald Ooh. Trump has in the past said that Evita is his favorite musical. Wow. He has played Music of the Night as some of his like pump-up music before rallies, <laughs> the same way that Hillary plays a uh, fight song. Music of the oh, Night is from Phantom? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? To a certain extent, it does make sense, though. I mean, Broadway is associated with New York. Donald Trump is very much of New York. Andrew Lloyd Webber writes these really big, outsized characters, and Donald Trump is a big character. You know, he's a, he's a big personality. You know, so, and so, so it has something for everyone in this campaign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will give you that. On the other hand, if I were positioning something for Mr. Trump, who it seems unhappy with the idea of, of foreign influences, uh, you got Andrew Lloyd Webber, who is a a British uh, uh, composer, and that particular show is about the Paris Opera. So, you know, I mean, if you were Fair going enough. if you're going to pick an American musical to to represent him, you might want to pick something like I, I don't know, something popular like a Music Man. May I have your attention, please? Attention, please. That just makes more sense to me. I like the idea of Music Man because you've got this ultra salesman. Please observe me if you will. Who comes to town? I'm Professor Harold Hill, and I'm here to organize the River City Boys band. And oh, changes everyone's idea mm-hmm. about what's going on and what they are really threatened by in their lives. Now, if Donald Trump had won Iowa, it would make more sense because Harold Hill won over the people of oh, Iowa. There's always an editor. There's always someone who's coming in with facts. Seventy-six trombones led the big parade. Yeah, the real problem, operatically or uh, in terms of song, for Trump is that the the word Trump 
ends in a consonant and is hard to sing. If you try to sustain the note, it's easy to sustain evita. You could sustain you, Trump. 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 No. <laughs> How about 76 Trumpas? Can I make a Trump suggestion? Remusicals? Don't laugh. <laughs> wow. Okay, but is Trump Mufasa or Scar? No, he's he's uh, actually I, I think or Simba. I, I actually thought I actually thought Ted Cruz was a pretty good Scar, or or Newt Gingrich because he's clearly trying to manipulate Trump. Mm. What if Trump is like Rafiki? Actually, the, the, you're going to have a problem. Bob's like, no. I'm sorry. How do I make a really big sigh? Yeah. Right. You just did. I think you're going to have a problem <laughs> with, the, with the whole Lion King thing. Speaking Especially of, because we know that it's actually Obama's birth video. Oh, what a bow. Oh, God. <laughs> you know that I don't whole, know that. I don't you know, know that makes the cut. That he did at, at uh, White House <laughs> Correspondents' Dinner. Yeah, that joke. Oh, that, that was that a joke that joke? he did. Okay, it's an actual thing. Tonight, for the first time... I am releasing my official birth video. It actually had to do with Trump. He says Donald Trump is here tonight, and uh, Donald has, I think, been satisfied that I released my birth certificate. I haven't heard a lot more on that subject. No one has seen this footage in 50 years. Not even me. But uh, let's take a look. Yes, that's up right. on the I screens remember. comes the first 30 seconds yeah. of, of Lion King and, you know, with Rafiki holding up. Mm-hmm. The also, I must say, that is my favorite musical. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to tell on. you why. Okay. Julie so, Tamer, like Julie Tamer, oh, Lion yeah. King. Oh, is, yeah. yeah. This is I'm your favorite you musical. And, and I've, I've only seen a handful of musicals in person, but I'll tell you why I love this. I was in South Africa when I saw it. Most of the Broadway cast is from South Africa. Wow. This was their kind of first run of homecoming oh, wow. shows. Okay. Okay. So when I went, See, that was a big it was deal. their first big time doing it back home, like for the country. And there are just moments where it just moves you so much. Yeah, I don't think you have to apologize for, for thinking that Lion King is a great musical. It's a sensational it's, piece it's of staging. It's just like as a visual mm-hmm. feast. Mm-hmm. And all the Absolutely. songs rock. Because Elton John, Elton John and, uh, the other guy, Tim, Tim Rice. Tim Rice, yeah. And it's just perfect. Anyway. Well, uh, there's one point that I think is important in this particular election in the last few years is that as recently as a few years ago, there were several articles. There was a book. There were all there was all this stuff about the decline of the Broadway musical. There was a bit mm. of moaning about how there wasn't original music anymore. You were getting, you know, the Ameri- uh, American Idiot, you know, rock opera. You were getting Mamma Mia. You're getting uh, right. Revivals. All of this. Musicals right. based Revivals. on top 40. Ju- jukebox musicals, mm-hmm. they call them. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's And now there's a Carol King one. There was a Billy mm-hmm. Joel one, I think. Um but I think in the last few years, the musical has been a little bit democratized. You have, you know, Glee sort of made it a little bit cool mm, to be, you know, yeah. a, a drama nerd and a singing nerd. Um, there was this, that show Smash, which, you know, maybe is ironically named. Don't frown named, that show. But, no, it has I'm some not, good songs. I'm not. But, you know, now the, the live musicals have been on TV. So, you know, because... Musicals are back. You know, Broadway is actually... A broad, the Broadway musical is the American art form. It's, it's, it's you know, it's what we do. I started this off by saying I honestly believe you can explain everything through Broadway musicals. I am still convinced of that. And you guys have convinced me that I'm not always seeing it all because Dreamgirls is a really interesting uh, uh, rap on that. What musical, and I'm speaking with the broad rubric here so we can be open to whatever, what musical best speaks to the political energy and moment and zeitgeist of now in this election? Well, I think it is Hamlet. Ha- Hamlet. <laughs> Hamlet. 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 Yes. Hamlet. Which musical? way do we go? Hamlet to be too? or not to be? Are you sure. Um, no, I think I think, I think it might be Hamlet. 
I think it, I think it is Hamilton, though. I mean, because Hamilton Why? is very much of the moment, and it is about a, a diverse uh, group of people. It is about considering how the country works, how the government works, how the world works, in a way. And I think we're kind of reinventing that, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to say kinky boots, but I think I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll see the if if Hamilton is a musical of today. What will the musical of 2024, 26 be? It will be a musical version of the history of Donald Trump's rise and oh. whatever comes next. Who writes it? Not Lin-Manuel. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say, why not Lin-Manuel? Why not Andrew Lloyd Webber? Why not the uh, collaboration between the two? They could bring in elements of Evita. <laughs> you heard it here first. I would go see that show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We'll be back with our big roundup of the week's more serious political news on Thursday, including the president's first appearance on the campaign trail for Hillary Clinton, which is scheduled for later today in North Carolina. By the way, Chicago, we are coming to you. We're doing a live show there in partnership with the great folks at WBEZ on August 19th. Tickets go on sale July 15th at livepodcast.wbez.org. Now, Chicago, there's a musical we didn't mention. Ooh. Oh, yeah, political corruption. I'm so so with Chicago. Okay. I know. I'm sorry. I have weird tastes. Anyways, <laughs> the three of us will be there, Ron, Danielle, and myself, along with Tamara Keith. So come out there and see us. Again, that's livepodcast.wbez.org. Tickets go on sale July 15th. All right, more of our political coverage is at nprpolitics.org and on your local public radio station. I am Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Ron Elving, editor-correspondent. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, digital political reporter. And I'm Bob Mandelo, all things considered, movie critic. And Bob, thank you for hanging out. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. This was great. Uh, And thank you all for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. (laughs) 